We are hitting it all today. Yes, the big three sports going on in the winter. We start with basketball. Malik Hall's injury. Tom Izzo speaks about his return in the next few weeks. And then, yes, we got a big old football notebook to get to in the second segment. And then the third segment, for all you hockey heads out there, Brad LaPlante joins the show to break down those icy Spartans. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at the Locked on Spartans program. Yes, in the first segment, all basketball. Second segment, all football. And then in the third segment, all hockey. But luckily, not with just me. We have Brad LaPlante of Spartans Illustrated to help break down all things hockey. But hey, let's get into the show right here. Big news uh, going on in Michigan State basketball world. You already know what I'm talking about. It is Malik Hall's foot. And what a saga it has been ever since he has come out of the game at Illinois with about seven minutes to go after retweaking that foot. Now, that's the first bit of news. It was not a rolled ankle, as you know previously reported. It was that foot injury. And unfortunately, the same foot he re-injured. You know, the foot that he missed eight games rehabbing earlier this year. Tom Izzo spoke about that with Aubrey Dahlgren and then spoke to the media later this day and said two bits of information over those two meetings with the press. First and foremost, Malik Hall is out of the boot. Okay, yeah, he doesn't have the protective boot anymore, but more importantly, here we go. This is a tweet from Chris Solari, who's part of the press. That was at the Tom Izzo press conference, and he tweets, MSU coach Tom Izzo says Malik Hall specialist thinks his foot is healing fine and may have just tweaked it. Adds that there may be, quote, light at the end of the tunnel after, quote, the door was locked a few days ago, and now it's open. Okay, Tom Izzo said something very similar after the game against Purdue that, he was crushed. They couldn't win this for Malik Hall because the prognosis was not looking good whatsoever. So this has been a huge roller coaster. After the Illinois game, it was like, eh, he's fine. He might just miss a game or two. And then right before the Purdue game, we're hearing that a priest read him his final rites in the locker room. And they were just about to just say goodbye to Malik Hall altogether. And now, well, Tom Izzo said that it's not looking like this week. Maybe not even two weeks, but possibly three weeks for Malik Hall to return to the team. All right, so let's take a look at what that means. We'll do the worst case scenario based on, you know, Tom Izzo's assumption that it could be up to three weeks. And three weeks from today, that quote is February 7th. And yes, Michigan State has a game on February 7th, so... After that, let's let's look at the next three weeks. Okay, that's six games that Malik Hall would be missing. Eight, you know, seven and a half total, the half against Illinois, the full game against Purdue. But the next three weeks have six games if you include that February 7th game. All right, so in those six games, you have two road games, all right, Indiana this weekend, then Purdue the following weekend, and then a neutral site game as well. We'll call that a road game. That one is against Rutgers at Madison Square Garden. And, of course, then, well, you have three home games. You have Rutgers, Iowa, and Maryland. Now, in those six games, yes, it is a little dicey, and it's everything that we've talked about the Big Ten the last few weeks, that every game is winnable. But tough, um, and this is no different here in the next six games potentially without Malik Hall. BartTorvik.com, hear us reference them all the time. They are the super analytic computer website. They simulate all these games and whatever. They're the smart people in the room. 
They have Michigan State just favored in two of those six games. And those games are against Iowa, all right, and then Maryland as well. Now, that's not to say that they think that Michigan State's going to get slaughtered in those other four games. Like, this Thursday's game, Rutgers is a slight favorite per Bart Torvik, but just by .3 points. All right, that's nearly a coin flip. Also, this Sunday, Indiana just a three-point favorite in their home barn at Assembly Hall. So, is it to assume that Michigan State goes two and four in the next six games? No, probably not. Although it will be hard to top that, as we know, because, well, again, the Big Ten is very, very competitive this year. Not good, but competitive. Now, let's say Michigan State does just win two of their next six games. What does that mean for the outlook of the season going far and beyond? Uh, well, okay, it would put them at 14-10 and 10 at the end of this three-week stretch. It would put them 6-7 and seven in Big Ten play, so you can absolutely probably kiss uh, the Big Ten title hopes goodbye. And uh, more uncomfortably, it is backs against the wall time um, for Michigan State here. Uh, Bart Torvik has, look, if Michigan State wins every game they're expected to win, and loses every game they're expected to lose, which, of course, won't happen. But, you know, follow me here for sake of conversation. If they win every game they're supposed to win, lose every game they're supposed to lose, Bart Torvik has them as one of the last four in for March Madness. Now, of course, talking to a computer is a lot different than talking to a human, and humans, at the end of the day, are who make this bracket. Joe Lenardi, before the Penn State game, or, I'm sorry, before the Purdue game, Apologies. Had Michigan State as a seven seed a little more squarely in than the computers have, but nevertheless, could be another selection Sunday where we're starting to sweat things out, and that's uh, that's that's not what we want. But here's some reason to believe that maybe this stretch of six games or seven games, however you want to classify it, is going to be different than the eight game stretch where Malik Hall missed earlier this season. And if you remember, in that eight game stretch, MSU went five and three, which is fine it's it's okay on paper but only two of those wins were against power five teams that win against Oregon who was you know starting their professors uh <laughs> they, they were coming off the bench late in the game and then hey that Penn State road game no snide remarks about that that was a really good win especially without Malik Hall but yes it could be a little different this time around and we saw a lot of why on Monday right that team showed a lot of resolve. And yes, I know it could be nauseating talking about moral wins, especially at a program like Michigan State where you expect greatness. But the fact of the matter was they got down really bad really early and fought their way back and could have won that game. I don't want to say should have won that game, but could have won that game. And I think a big reason for that is just how A.J. Hogart has been playing, which is way different than how he was playing in that eight-game stretch without Malik Hall. And not just play style. Yes, that has helped. He's been more smart with the ball, more aggressive at times, but also just his leadership as well. Uh, we referenced the sit-down conversation that he had with Tom Izzo all the time after that Notre Dame game when he got benched. He has emerged as a different player and a different leader as well, and that's something that Michigan State misses with Malik Hall, Izzo said as much, his calming presence on the court. So it's a little different now. Is it, is it perfect? Is it an absolutely positively great substitution? No, but it's better. And also, hey, just for this upcoming game on Thursday against Rutgers, they have a similar stylistic makeup on offense that Purdue had. And what I mean by that is that they have a pretty good big man. 
And no, not a first-team All-American big man like Zach Eady, and not a guy that's 7'4", but hey, Cliff Amarui is still a physically imposing presence, and also, just like Purdue, and Zach Eady being surrounded by guys that don't shoot the three-point ball that well, Rutgers doesn't shoot the three-point ball that well either, so hopefully you can get the same Michigan State defense versus Rutgers offense matchup that you got and almost worked in the Penn State game. So that's some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, really quick for switching to football, uh, we did get an email uh, based on yesterday's show with Carter Elliott, and this comes from Joe. He reached out to us at LockdownSpartans at gmail.com, and he wrote... Hey, just listened to your podcast with Carter and was surprised you didn't discuss the officiating. I'm used to getting screwed on the road, but we should not be getting screwed at the Breslin Center. And he also wrote down some examples, and my guess is that you know all of these examples as well. Like Zach Eady, well, he had no fouls on the game. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Maddie's third and fourth fouls were ridiculous. Also that hook and hold in the first half as well. A kicked ball that did not get called that led to a Purdue three. Now, I will say... That looked inadvertent. It has to be deliberate for the kickball to be called the other way, but I digress. A reviewed out-of-bounds call that, uh, you know, looked like it was off Edie. I would agree there, but all right, whatever. And right after getting screwed on that call, they call a foul on Tyson Walker for fighting through a screen. So why didn't we address that in the Purdue postgame show? Two reasons. Uh, one, hey, when we talked with DKSpartanHoops.com after the Illinois game, we talked about officiating for about a minute or two minutes, brought it up, we both said as much that, yeah, it wasn't great at Illinois, but also, you really can't point to that being a reason for your loss. And every comment that we got was, oh, my God, blaming officiating. What are you guys doing? Or, oh, classic Sparty. Or, oh, the losing team always blames officiating. After very clearly stating that, no, officiating wasn't the reason MSU lost, so... No one listens to an officiating argument anyway. You're just immediately painted as some sad, sore loser. And then also, reason number two, more importantly, officiating is just a disaster in the Big Ten overall. I am just so apathetic to officiating in the Big Ten that it doesn't even phase me anymore. Like the out-of-bounds call, I knew that was going to be Purdue ball. When they called Matty for the foul when Edie threw him to the ground, I, I didn't even budge on my couch. I was like, yeah, this is just what you come to expect. It's almost like turning on a Lions game back then and just knowing you were going to get let down. I watch Big Ten basketball every single night knowing that I'm going to see some clownery from the refs. So, I I don't know. It's just part of the game now. Just horrible officiating. Whether you're the home team or the road team, Michigan State has not benefited from it the last two games. Who knows? They probably will benefit from it later on. Water's got to find its level eventually. So, no, I know that there are a lot of fans upset with the officiating, but... What's the point of talking about it when you're just known as a, oh, salty Sparty? So, whatever, man. It's... On to the next one. On to the next one. And on to the next topic here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ear off about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds, trends, and action for every professional and amateur league out there. We also got divisional round playoffs coming up for NFL football. And BetOnline has the props, futures, and lines, all the good stuff that you need to get ready for Saturday and Sunday's action-packed NFL slate. And if you love sports podcasts, well, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of your sports betting action. So what are you waiting for over there? Head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends and action that is at Bet Online where the game starts. 
and let's get into some football talk. That's right. A lot of this news broke a little bit ago, but it has been busy in East Lansing with basketball, with all the games, all the injuries, the previews, yada, yada, yada. Let's get into what we've missed on the football field the last few days. And first and foremost, this isn't, sadly, about a Spartan anymore. This is about a Cowboy. And we're talking about Eli Collins. That's right. The, the long-tenured running back at Michigan State entered the transfer portal. He found a new home down in Stillwater, Oklahoma State Cowboys. They are taking on Eli Collins. So great for him. I mean, there are some questions out there like, oh, man, does it maybe make you a little sad that he went to a Power 5 conference? Uh, maybe Michigan State's missing out on a guy. Uh, oh, this kind of really hurts to see. I, I don't see that at all. Like, I, I'm thrilled for this guy. And it means a few things. It means that, well, okay, Michigan State just might be a little more talented than they used to be when they saw all their transfers go to group of five programs or borderline division two programs. Now at least our transfers are going to higher places. So maybe Michigan State is growing stronger and stronger in their position rooms. And also, I, Eli Collins is the easiest guy to root for. You know, like I, I wouldn't have been sad if he got to Georgia or Alabama for crying out loud. I want nothing but the best for this kid. He's been through a lot in East Lansing. So yeah, I want to see him end his collegiate career on a high note. And no, I don't know um, if he was, you know, taken aback by Michigan State bringing on Nathan Carter from UConn or uh, the Mangum brother down in South Florida. I don't know if he was put off by that and that's why he bolted or maybe Michigan State staff knew that Eli Collins was going to be out of here anyway and that's why they brought in those two kids. But hey, the only fact of the matter is is that Eli Collins is down at Oklahoma State. He will be competing for starting playing time immediately. Their top running back, Dominic Richardson, he transferred this offseason to Baylor, and the two guys behind him, Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon, both freshmen. So, yes, you get an experienced running back in Eli Collins, and it's very clear that, hey, he wants a more defined role, some more reps perhaps, since Jalen Berger ended the year as strong as he did, since Nathan Carter is going to be competing for a lot of carries as well. I think he's going to find what he wants to in Stillwater, so good luck to him. Also, transfer coming in. Mason Arnold. That's right. We're talking lawn snappers, baby. We do it all here on Lockdown Spartans. Mason Arnold from Ohio State. He will have three years of eligibility left at Michigan State. And a little bit about his career. He started six games last season, including the semifinal matchup against Georgia when their lawn-tenured starter, Bradley Robinson, was out with an injury. So he does come here with experience. Now, with that said, I still expect Hank Pepper to be the starting lawn snapper. However, Hank Pepper was out for a stretch of time this season, and we also found out the importance of having a good backup lawn snapper. Just look to that Michigan game. And in hindsight, look, it, it didn't matter um, that the snaps were high, that Bryce Perringer had to make the catch of the game and got a little squirrely there with the snaps. It, it ended up not mattering in hindsight, but in the moment, okay, those botched snaps were like, a, oh, God, yep, that, that's it, oh, Okay, there goes all of our hope for any sort of a comeback right now. So, yeah, you get an experienced guy like Mason Arnold in the fold. Whether it's him snapping or Hank Pepper snapping, two guys with experience. And, yeah, we can joke that, oh, it's just a backup lawn snapper. Okay, I, we learn the hard way that that's actually important from last season. Uh, two little pieces of recruiting news for you. Sam Levitt. That's right, you, you talk about a guy taking the elevator up to greatness. Sam Levitt, of course, the four-star quarterback out of Oregon in Michigan State's 2023 class, is 
shooting up recruiting rankings for one of these sites whether you get your rankings from 24 7 sports whether you get them from rivals or on three and uh, you might really like on three now because they have rated sam levitt as the number 76 rated player in the country in their newest rankings shuffle they actually have him as the number seven ranked quarterback in the country which means that he is the highest-ranked incoming quarterback recruit for any Big Ten school in the 2023 cycle. How does that sound? Uh, that's right. No, Michigan doesn't have a higher-ranked quarterback. No, Ohio State doesn't. Not Penn State. Not any other school. It's Sam Levitt, the Gatorade Oregon Player of the Year, coming to Michigan State as the number seven-ranked quarterback in the class per on three. Uh, on three? Also, to round things out, has Michigan State with the number 22-rated class in the country with nine four-star players. That will play. And really quick, too, uh, to get you out of the door with some other recruiting news before getting to hockey, Davey Belfort. That's right, 2024 quarterback prospect Davey Belfort drops his top three and says he will be committing, quote, soon. Now, whether soon is, is that the end of the month? Is it in March? I have no idea, but he is down to his final three schools, and it is, well, of course, Michigan State. You probably could have guessed that. Also, Texas A&M and Virginia Tech as well. And this is from Rivals. This is from Ryan Wright of Rivals.com. He got the quotes from Davey Belfort, and I'll give a little bit right here, not the whole quote, but it says, quote, I love Michigan State. I have such a great relationship with Coach Jay Johnson. I have been up there a couple times over the past few months. I love the staff. I love Coach Mel Tucker. And I think they are building great things there. So, there you have it. Could be a third straight year with a four-star quarterback commit. Not bad. Caden Hauser, all right, in 2022. Sam Levitt in 2023. And Davey Belfort can make it three in a row in 2024. So, Look, say what you will about Jay Johnson, some of his play calling this season, but this man could possibly be a, a dynamite quarterback recruiter. And I say possibly you know, very loosely. I, it's already confirmed for me, but for the haters out there, um, yeah, this would absolutely solidify it even for them. So, hey, there you go. Keep your eye on that. I know that Michigan State uh, is definitely after him, so uh, let's hopefully – Get it locked down here. We're going to get to some hockey chatter in a hot segment with Brad LaPlante of Spartans Illustrated. But first, need to talk your ear off about Built Bar. That's right, gang. If you are still powering through those New Year's resolutions of just, you know, getting into shape or eating better, Built Bar is going to help you do both of those things. Whether you're prepping for your workout or just your day at the office, your day doing work around the house, whatever it is, they're going to get you feeling right. Because most Built Bars, hey, we're talking just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, but yet a whopping 17 grams of protein. They're not going to have you feeling weighed down like other protein bars. They're going to pick your spirits and your energy up. And it's going to be doing so with great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream. They got it all, and they got it all for you, not just at Built.com, but also Walmart and Sam's Club. Yes, that's right. You don't just have to use the internet to get your hands and taste buds on Built Bars anymore. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Sam's Club. Just visit the pharmacy section, pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or, hey, if you just like doing it the old-fashioned way of the internet... Head to built.com to stock up on your built bars. That's right. It is Michigan State hockey time, and Lord knows uh, I ain't doing this solo. Um, hey, I like hockey. I like watching it. 
You want me to get in the X's and O's of it? Mm -mm, no, no, that is a job for Brad LaPlante. He is of Spartans Illustrated, also the Red Cedar Recap Podcast that he co-hosts with Sydney Paget. Brad, how on earth are you doing on this fantastic day? Fortunately, it's cloudy, so another day in Michigan. You know, I uh, can't complain. Okay. There we have, but a sunny day over the weekend it was over Mun Ice Arena. Um, you know what? Here, here's a high overview question right now. And to set it up, okay, we all know what happened this weekend. Michigan State two wins over top five Penn State. But going into this weekend, Brad, as you know, as any hockey head knows, ever since December started, it was not good. They had seven losses and just one win going into the weekend against Penn State. But Back-to-back -back wins, one in overtime, one in a shootout. Is everything solved in the world of Michigan State hockey, or what's your read on the whole season right now? It's hard. So the way, and the way that I was talking about this with with pretty much everyone was that everyone has PTSD, right? So anyone who's followed this team has PTSD from last season, right? You had Danton Cole, who you know wasn't doing great at the end of his tenure, but uh, somehow I think that I think that MSU can right the ship. I think that's Nightingale's sort of plan his mo is that he can prove that he can't you know everything isn't going to fall off you know just because of you know what uh it, just the struggles that they've you know gone through but yeah i mean a couple of the losses are fair too because like i mean they played minnesota who might as well be the best team in the country and then they played michigan you know michigan they won one against michigan so that was impressive the two at the gli they should have won i think the osu series is really the only one where it was like you know that sucks but um gotcha. i think that the penn state series was huge for getting back on the uh, on the on the train if you if you would say but especially since in two weeks michigan state plays minnesota again and i don't know that they can win those sure like ah why not you know well any, yeah i mean sure why not any team yeah. could beat any team but you know that's that's just a tough <laughs> realistically thing to do. speaking yeah right no right now i got a question that's gonna out me as the biggest casual which everyone knows by now when it comes to hockey um Michigan State, I saw number 15 still in the hockey rankings that I read. Is that is that true? Is Michigan State really top 15 team in the country, even with that rough stretch that they had? Is that the state of college hockey right now, or even that's going to get you in the upper echelon of the nation? Sort of. I mean, it's it's tough because so the USHO poll is sort of the uh, akin to the AP in football, right? So, like, okay. I mean, people people disagree with that too you know what i mean so mm -hmm. um i think the more accurate way of looking at it is the pairwise rankings which sort of uh you know are more they they equate more towards what looks you know for the actual tournament right they're more important for the actual tournament okay. you know and how that's decided it's so it's similar to what they do with like quad one quad two in like basketball you know they gotcha. sort of they they rank who who you've won against and who those teams have won against and they sort of try there's it's a formula it's a formula that they uh come up with for that and so like for example um the way that they weight overtime losses and overtime wins is different. That's why so Michigan State went up because two overtime, you know, wins, technically one was a shootout, but they're weighted as two thirds of a win. Whereas Penn State, the, they didn't go down. In fact, they went from four to three during the weekend because I think someone dropped 
And okay. on top of that, a loss in overtime is weighted as a third of a loss. If that may, you know what I mean? So it's not like, yeah. it's not like they lost. They still did a pretty impressive job. So um, I think that that's more, you know, uh, um, a better representation of where MSU is. They're number 12 in the pairwise. And I don't know. I think that um, really they're close to a top 10 team. God, see, this is why we have an expert on a guy that actually know, knows what he's crazy. talking about when it comes to hockey. Cause that's, that's a lot to explain. And my head's kind of spinning right now, but Hey, here's maybe just an easier question. This is for everyone. This is for the casuals. This is for the diehards. In, in your opinion, what have you liked the most about Adam Nightingale's first season? Is it just the style of play that you're seeing on the ice is really jumping out to you the most? Is it just the leadership going on in the program or what really catches your eye the most here in year one of this? Yeah, I mean, really, if you contrast it to last season, there's a different style of hockey, something that's a lot more modern. I think that any player will tell you that. I was I was talking with uh, Nico Mueller uh, one week, and he was telling me that, you know, just the, the style of play, you know, is a lot different, right? Like, like Dan Cole liked to play a very physical brand of hockey, but okay. it seemed like, you know, and I'm, I, and I'm not going to pretend like I am, you know, going to break down the X's and O's as much as, as, a, as a hockey uh. coach can, but... It, it was like Cole was being physical for the sake of being physical on the ice, you know, to out, okay. you know, you saw that it, when they played Notre Dame last year, it was very, the only way that they could compete with them is by being physical or being the more physical team on the ice. Whereas Nightingale's playing with a faster brand of hockey. And so that um, really, I think sticks out to me the most. Um, he's also just, I mean, the, 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 um, players buy into what he's doing. Uh, you know, I ha actually had a conversation with the um, NTDP uh, U17 coach. I uh, was actually doing a, a story unrelated with, um, with two MSU commits. And okay. the, uh, he was telling me, though, that like just, uh, just about the MSU program. And one of Nightingale's biggest strengths is his messaging. And you, I mean, every single thing that you, you hear Nightingale talk about, you know, when it comes to, you know, playing winning hockey and just the, the message and the rhetoric that he uh, spreads throughout the program, you know, that is specifically, I mean, it's regurgitated with every single mm -hmm. player. Every player is like, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z, just the same exact stuff that, that Nightingale talks about. And I think that that's how you build a big culture here in, in East Lansing. And who, as far as the players on the ice go, like so far this season, who is the nucleus of the team? You know, kind of like how basketball is Tyson Walker, AJ Hogarth. It's safe to say that they are the heartbeat of the team. May, may I suggest that it could be Jagger Joshua off his four goal weekend? I imagine he's part of that nucleus. And if so, who else is around him as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of the scoring on the team sort of revolves around that top line. So so you have Jagger Joshua, you have Carson Dorwart, you have Daniel Russell, right? So so Russell's been playing, I believe, the right wing spot most of the time, Carson Dorwart center and then Joshua on the left wing. But um, I mean, all three of them are in the top four in scoring. The, the, the third actually is Nico Mueller, who has 20 points. Jagger Joshua has 18 um, if you gotcha. would have told me a year ago that Joshua would have 18 points this year, I wouldn't believe you straight up. Like it was just, I mean, a lot of people will tell you that Jagger Joshua always had the talent, but I don't know. I don't necessarily know that I ever believed it because he's okay. averaged six points coming into this year and he already has 18. The season's not even done yet. So I guess that's, that's sort of, um, 
That's to answer your question. Yeah, it's the top line of Dorwart, Russell, and Joshua, who who this team sort of uh, revolves around. But I think that everyone's been sort of instrumental. I mean, Cole Krieger had a in, insane game, you know, on in the Friday uh contest you know where he had a 10 minute penalty and then he comes back he's the best player on the ice you know what i mean just just stuff like that where every single player is sort of having their moment and not one player stands out as though he's carrying the team every every and also like i mean just to mention too to go into your question dylan st Cyr has been incredible as goaltender for this team okay he is just making saves like I mean, the other, I mean, he was reminding me of Dominic Hoshik out at, you know, the college version of him. You know what I mean? It's just like stuff like that. Like, like uh, when, when St. Cyr makes those saves, I think that it gives this team a boost and sometimes can act as a goal sort of, you know, in, in sort of momentum and helps this team be motivated to score. Gotcha. I love that 10 minute penalty and then play incredible hockey. That is the Jared right. Horst of hockey right there. He Just comes back like penalty and then plays amazing the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, love he that. came back, he had an assist and a goal, like did nothing oh, before that had an assist and the great. game winner in OT. <laughs> I mean, that was just uncanny. Don't know how to, you know, explain it. That's awesome. Most exciting player on the team in, in my book. <laughs> That's great. And I would be remiss. I'd be a clown, actually, if I had the recruiting analyst on from Spartans Illustrated and not ask about recruiting. So what is the state of recruiting? Did anything exciting happen in the last few days by any chance? And, well, how does MSU sit right now? So, yeah, I mean, Michael D'Angelo uh, committed from uh, – God, where is he at? He's at Green Bay, I think, is is he's on the okay. Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. So, I mean, he he committed to the team. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't heard too much about him in the, you know, in the way of of everything else. I know that uh just the the prospects that I'm really focused in on right now is Christian Humphreys and the guys coming out of the NTDP. So sure. um you know, if you will, uh, Trey Augustine comes to mind who just had an insane, uh, season with the NTDP. I think he was at one point, if not right now, he's leading the, um, leading the team at well, it's save percentage, but he also like, I think that's a record for like whatever his safe percentage stat is or was like would be sure. a record for the team and you know, will, will be or ever was. So also he had an, uh, he had a pretty good, um, performance in the world junior championships too. Uh, he earned a bronze medal. You know, I think that, um, up until the loss to, was it Canada? Um, he had only lost in the, the, the preliminary round. He actually was not in one game and USA lost that game. So, you know what I mean? It's just, he, he seemed like a very vital, like number one goalie on that team. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for him. Uh, he seems to be like if he if he starts as a freshman, he could instantly become one of the best goaltenders in the Big Ten. That, well, okay, that plays with me. There we go. Even yeah, someone that knows nothing about hockey like me can understand <laughs> that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, All and, right. and uh, <laughs> there's there's also this. Uh, what is it? Maxim Sturbach for uh, he's from Slovakia, and so that's he. I don't name. know if you've you know heard yeah. too much about him, but he played uh, you know on Slovakia's team. It wasn't until I think he he's in the group that lost to Canada as well. But okay. um, Maxim Strabach had, I think, a couple points, like a few points. I can't pull up. I didn't pull up the stats before, so forgive me. But he had like, um, you know, a, a couple. Not. I. I don't want to say he was leading the world juniors or anything. Nothing like Connor Bedard was. But for a defenseman, like, yeah, he had. He had a few points, and that's actually pretty impressive. 
There you go. I mean, this, this has been an awesome chat, Brad. Can't thank you enough. I, I, but also, we're not going to let you get out the door here without plugging the podcast that you are on. What do you got going on over at Red Cedar Recap? Because it is more than hockey, if, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, so most of our stuff re- uh, revolves around, you know, football, basketball. Uh, Sydney's great with with basketball actually she uh yeah. she she likes to break that down uh, occasionally we'll usually have like carter on to uh carter sure. elliott does our basketball stuff um ryan oblenis is is really good with breaking down all the football stuff and um yeah i mean we do we do hockey stuff as well um but at spartans illustrated specifically we've actually started doing these um like uh, location videos where they're like uh, video podcasts almost and gotcha. um, basically, so like I'll go to a game, I'll recap the game and, you know, we'll, we'll have maybe a couple people with me. I'll do them with hockey. I just did one from the Breslin. So those are pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just nice. kind of uh, just like to break down um, MSU sports, everything all all the time. Just bringing greatness to MSU podcasting. No, no shortage of us out there in the world. No doubt about that. Brad. But hey, <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, exactly. man. I uh, re- really can't appreciate, uh, you know, your time and uh, especially your hockey knowledge enough because my God, we do have an appetite for hockey here from the listener base and it ain't going to be me <laughs> talking about it because <laughs> I will out myself as an idiot within 30 seconds. So that's why I have smart people like you on to help me hold my hand through the conversation. So thanks a lot, man. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And, hey, gang, until next time, tomorrow's show, we will be breaking down the Rutgers versus MSU basketball game. We'll have some football stuff in the mix as well. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.